0: up y'all and welcome back to found bites a game review series my name is brian and i'll be your host if you don't know about us we're all about testing out and finding small high quality video games this is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources if you're interested in reaching out or helping out Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Also, don't be afraid to leave some comments. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Return of the Obra Din is the game for this week's episode. Return of the Obra Din is a first-person mystery adventure puzzle game. Some comparable games, I see some similarities with Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is kind of like a first-person walking narrative uh, with some like finding things, elements, stuff like that, and also uh, The Witness, which is kind of a first-person puzzle game. Um, And The Stanley Parable, which a game I have not played, but I've seen the comparisons to this game. I hear really good things about that game, as well as some other games like Death and Taxes and Papers, Please, decision-making and kind of organization notebook type stuff. The game was originally released in October of 2018 on PC and Mac, and a year later in October of 2019 on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. The game was developed by Lucas Pope, And he's kind of a one-man band. He previously did the game Papers, Please. And he's been working on his own for a little bit, but he has a pretty extensive career. He actually worked at Naughty Dog for quite a while. Definitely has a lot of experience, um, and it's nice to kind of see him break off and do his own thing. The game was published by 3909 LLC. And I think this is just the publishing wing of Lucas Pope, uh, because they've only published his game so I think it might actually just be him. The game had a physical release with limited run games in July of 2020 on PS4 and Switch and this had a regular edition with just the box and it also had a collector's edition that came with I think some kind of a book or actually the logbook from the game which is really cool. Uh, The original soundtrack I think on CD, posters and uh, the map that you get in the game so pretty cool stuff there. MSRP of the game, digitally released at 1999 those limited run editions the regular box uh, just 34.99 and the collector's edition 74.99 and I have checked and absolutely they are way sold out um, I think you can get the collectors uh, for maybe double that price uh, on eBay I've been seeing it so like 120 130 uh, if it's something that you're really into run time of the game if you're just Going straight through, I'm seeing that it's somewhere between seven and eight hours, which is interesting. And we'll kind of talk about what it is that you have to do or what you may want to do um, if you're a perfectionist, because I'm not exactly sure what is totally necessary. But to do everything, it may be uh, somewhere over 10 hours. Me, I got this on sale on PlayStation For $14.99, and I've been playing it on PlayStation, I put in about four to five hours, and I think I'm pretty far. Uh, In terms of recommendations, I didn't really hear a recommendation about this. I saw this on sale a bunch of times. The visuals really kind of struck me as something interesting, and we'll talk about what those visuals are. But a podcast that I listened to called Watch Out for Fireballs, uh, they did an episode on this game and I saw that they did an episode and so I was like, oh wow, I'm glad that I bought that. Can't wait to play it at some point. Um, I have not listened to that episode, um, but I will once I publish this and once I beat the game. But Watch Out for Fireballs is a really good podcast. It's two guys, Gary and Cole. They also do the podcast Bonfireside Chats, which is like a deep dive on all your Souls games and Bloodborne and now Elden Ring. And so um, definitely check out this episode. Again, I haven't listened to it, but I'm kind of eager to. Typically when they give games the time of day, they don't always love them, but uh, it's always a nice deep dive that they do. So check that out. All right, let's talk gameplay for Return of the Obra Dinn. So like I said, this is a first-person puzzle adventure. It also is a murder mystery, kind of. Um, and again, some comparable games. We talked about The Witness, talk about Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um, so the idea with this first-person view is that you're moving around, you're walking around in 3D spaces, you're kind of looking around, analyzing things. Um, you can invert the Y-axis on this game, you can't invert the X-axis. I'm fine with that with a first person game. In terms of what you can do, you can kind of zoom in the camera and focus on something. And sometimes it will highlight an object, not so much an object as it is a person. And then you'll be able to like interact with uh, your menu and kind of look at things about that person. But it does have a range. Like if you're trying to zoom in on someone and like you can't get them to highlight, uh, you might have to like try an inch closer. You can open doors and you'll know whether doors are unlocked or not. Some of the doors that have keyholes, like you'll see an X over the keyhole and that means you won't be able to open it. And really, you're just gonna be walking around making general observations, getting some context. A lot of the context is very simple, but this is a murder mystery puzzle game, so you're kinda looking for deductions, like what you can observe about what's going on, about people, about different things. And you also have these interactions that you can have with your pocket watch. Um, And really, it's only when your character pulls out the pocket watch that you'll just hit a button and something will happen or something will be initiated. So nothing really that complicated here. You'll also be interacting with a logbook, which is kind of like your menu, but it has your information that you need or or like where you're recording information or evidence and whatnot. And so in this logbook, um, you'll have a crew manifest because you are on a ship. And you'll have a photo of all the crew, uh, so you can kind of match faces, what you're looking at in real life versus on the photo. Um, You'll have a map of the ship that you're on. And all of this is fairly detailed. It's very helpful for context clues. Again, murder mystery, deductive reasoning, things like that. Like your crew manifest is gonna have like people's jobs, people's titles and their names. The photos, they're gonna be dressed a certain way. Uh, That's also very helpful. The map is gonna be super helpful because if you need to kind of find your way to a specific location, uh, the map is very helpful for that in labeling things. And the story will kind of get unfolded for you by chapter. If you're looking in the logbook, like it's listed by chapter, like there's a table of contents you can turn to, and like you can flip to specific chapters. But all these chapters in the book are going to start blank, and as you go through the game, the information there, like what happened in each chapter, will populate as you learn information. So before we dive into some of the really more intricate types of gameplay, let's just talk about the general premise or goal of this game. So like I said, this is a murder mystery on a ship. And the idea is that you're going to the ship and it's completely deserted. You really need to find out what happened to everyone. And your pocket watch is really going to be the key here because what you're doing is you're going on the ship and you will sometimes see someone's body. So they may be dead. And what this pocket watch is going to do is when you go up to a dead body, it's gonna pop out. When you hit it, like interact with it, it's going to actually reenact the scene of that person dying. And so you're going to be getting this piece by piece story and it's really interesting how it's unveiled. The first thing that's going to happen when you activate that pocket watch over a dead body is a scene is gonna play out, like the scene of them dying. However, you're not gonna see anything. You're only going to hear the scene and you're going to see the words on a blank screen. I really like how this is done. You're not necessarily knowing who is saying what in terms of like their physical body, but you're hearing people's voices. Sometimes they refer to each other by names. And then once that scene is over, you will be put into a 3D still of their death. So what exactly happened at the moment of their death? Who was there? And what you can do is you can walk around this. So you can see who's where. You can actually walk pretty far. Um, When you're in this scene though, like you don't have access to the whole ship like you did before, Um, you're gonna be kind of limited in a mini sandbox. It's like a closed memory space is basically what you're in. And when you're in this scene, again, you can walk around, you can zoom in and highlight different characters. And you can open up the logbook. And if you're highlighting a character and you open up, you press the button to open up the logbook, it'll actually go to that person's picture on the picture of the whole crew. So you'll get that connection right away. Basically, what you'll try to do is you'll try to ID who that person is. You'll cross reference their picture with maybe names on the logbook, maybe titles like who's the first mate, who's the captain, who's the doctor, things like that. And so you're going to walk around this scene and look at. What's happening? So the most important thing that you're probably going to see is how did this person die? And from all this information, you'll be able to go into the logbook. And for the person who is dead, you'll be able to try and identify who they are, how they died and by whom. So sometimes it might be an accident. Sometimes someone may have killed this person. And so you're looking at the scene in front of you to get some context. Now, of course, it's not always going to be that easy. And I'll talk about sort of the pacing and how frequently you may or may not solve some of these. But essentially what's going to happen is you'll open up this scene and you'll have like a little bit of time to look around and then the scene will end, like it'll close the screen on you and then it'll open up the logbook. And what it's going to do is then populate that entry in that specific chapter of when that person died. It's going to give you like the visual of who died, like what person, what their picture looks like, where the body is located, which is very important for kind of backtracking, as well as like the dialogue from the scene before. And so it's very helpful. It details everything and kind of notates a lot of information. Once that happens, you can close the logbook and then you're back in that scene and you're kind of open to explore it. So you can leave when you're done. And in fact, like There are limitations on how big that memory space is, but then there's like an open doorway that once you walk through it, you'll end the scene and you'll go back to the ship. Sometimes when you're in a memory like this, as soon as you come out of the logbook and can walk around the scene, your pocket watch may pop up and vibrate and there'll be kind of a music cue. And what this means is there's another dead body in this memory that's kind of linked to this as well as the chapter that it's in. And so what you can do is you can then hit the button to hit the pocket watch and it will like show you where another body is and then you have to go to that other body and then click the pocket watch again. And it doesn't happen all the time, but like there's kind of this chaining of different memories and that's helpful for context to figure out like, okay, what happened when I'm trying to progress the story And it's interesting, though, because some of these chapters actually start with the end of the chapter. Like it's the first body you see might be the end of a chapter. And then it'll link to like another body that's already dead in that memory. And so it's like the scene before it in that chapter. And so it's interesting how you're getting some of the story sometimes. Like you're seeing the final thing and you're like, oh, wow, it ended like this. That's crazy. And then you're slowly seeing like the progression backwards. So I like the way that that unfolds. Once you're back to the full ship, after you've kind of gone through the memory, like seen in the logbook what chapter it's in, and then you've left that scene, you'll be able to walk around the ship again. But you'll see that some things might change. So some of the doors may unlock, and then you can go in different rooms, and this may give you access to another body that you find. And of course, you can always pull up the logbook. You can always pull up the map. And what's also helpful is even if you find that like you don't know where to go or you're, you've you run out of progression, if you go through the chapters that are blank pages in like the upper left corner, it'll have a location on the ship kind of circled. So it's kind of hinting you like, hey, there's something here for this chapter. So even when you feel lost, you find that like if you look through the logbook, something is pointing you in the direction. In terms of pacing and progression in this game, when you unlock doors, when you open up memories and find chain bodies, like chaining together chapters in the story. This has permanent access. So once it's open, it's open and you can actually access it in every time, which is really good and really helpful um, because not everybody's going to be as deductive or be able to solve everything at the same pace. So it's nice that you have access to all of that. If you go into your logbook and you correctly identify three individuals in terms of their name, in terms of how they died, in terms of maybe who killed them, then the game will communicate to you that you've gotten three right. So unless you get three right, you don't know how many you have right. This is how the the function of the game communicates to you in terms of your progress. So every time you have three more people completely correct, the game will like stop everything and tell you, like, good job, you did this. Um, And it'll kind of pop up the words on the screen, much like the scene before in each chapter now in terms of how quickly you might start to deduce who these people are and how they died let me just tell you kind of my personal experience I got three of them fairly quickly uh, probably in the first hour that I played the game and so the game told me right away like hey you got three right and there is even like help in the chapter book like after a while as you've been playing In the top right corner of the book there's like a question mark so it can tell you like here's how you identify people like you need to see them in a scene and you know use these clues or whatever so the game is always trying to help you but after i got those first three correct i went through a lot of the ship and i saw how a lot of people died and i almost completed like the entire logbook in terms of opening up chapters and memories and i hadn't gotten anybody else correct in like three hours Uh, But then after that, then I started to get like three more and three more and three more. So it's a a bit strange pacing. I'll just say like be like you got to persevere a bit and it's fine going back and forth between like being successful and identifying people and just getting a sense of the story and seeing what's going on and um, how certain people are dying. So if you're playing through this, um, don't get discouraged if like you go through a lot of the story and you're like, man, I can't identify people. It really just takes time and that's okay. It it takes getting more information. Sometimes there's no way that you could possibly identify who a person is because no one's been saying anyone's name. Um, So just be, be aware of that, that inference will take time. I will say, if you're patient, the game provides a lot of information and there will be aha moments. I mean, it took me fairly a long time But, like, there's one particular scene uh, of someone's death where, like, a lot of things clicked for me. Like, oh my gosh, I see this is that. Like, that guy, I can tell what he's wearing. Like, I can't believe those two people are there. I can't believe this guy is dying. Uh, Makes sense now. That one line or that dialogue made sense now. So just be prepared. There will be those aha moments. So, again, try not to get discouraged. And the other thing about this game is I'm at a point in it where... I've pretty much opened up all the chapters that I can. There's one chapter that is written in the book. You won't be able to access this chapter until after you leave the ship. So I'm at a point now where I've opened up all the chapters and someone is saying like, hey, we have to get off the ship. And so I have the opportunity to leave the ship but I'm super nitpicky and I really wanna dive into this thing. I don't know if you need to solve everything or if you need to find everyone and label everyone and find out exactly how they died and all that stuff. At this point, like I said, I put in like a little more than four hours. I have correctly identified 15 people. I think the crew list is somewhere between 50 and 60. So again, I'm not sure if you need to find everyone out, but I don't wanna to progress to the next part and then open up this other chapter until, like, I've found everyone or I've identified everyone. And I think at a certain point, like, I may have to give up on that and just move forward in the story because I don't know what's coming next. But I am excited to kind of beat this and really kind of get to the bottom of this story. let's talk about the vibe of this game so it's got to start from the visuals the visuals of this game are so unique it kind of looks like a photo negative negative. and as soon as you see the screen if you go in the store to even look at this game or look at screenshots you'll know exactly what i mean uh, there's kind of like a white and then a darkness and it's really interesting how it comes through in 3d Because you'll be progressing and walking through these scenes. And that is the artistic style. And the best way I could describe it is like it's almost kind of like this white pointillism uh, that expresses like light versus shading. Like there won't be any uh, white if something is in the shade. Things won't be solid white if they're lit. Um, Like you'll look out at the sun and like it's weird how when you move the camera like the points or the dots uh, of white kind of move. It's really interesting Comparing like being in real time versus being in a scene still, because in a scene still, like people will be frozen, or like someone will be shooting something, and you'll see like shotgun spray, or you'll see fire, especially the first scene that you see uh, right after the cutscene. Like it's really jarring, Um, but it's really cool how the game opens. Um, And it's a little different in real time because you're kind of seeing you know, water move or like the boat rock. And there are setting options. Like the default setting is that it looks like a Macintosh. And then you can switch through other kind of old screens or computer screens or monitors. And I think that's sort of the inspiration of it. I didn't have a a Mac growing up, but I think sort of like this white dark or like white kind of weird brown as like the dark and light contrast. You can cycle through. And I think Uh, Some of the other screens are interesting. I kept it at the default because I felt like that was uh, how it was intended. In terms of helping out gameplay, the visuals are actually really helpful, like comparing different things, like what people are wearing um, or like how they're dressed or what their facial hair looks like. It's very good for helping to do certain things. If you're trying to identify someone and you think they're the doctor and they're kind of dressed a little sloppy, or you know, if someone is dressed in a specific hat, they're probably not just like a top man or a seaman, they might be one of the first or second or third mates or something like that. All of that visual information is actually really helpful and it's on the characters as you're looking at them, but it's also in the picture in the logbook. I think it's a lot of simple things that help you identify, and that's why it can be a little frustrating uh, waiting a little while, but the visuals certainly help. In terms of audio, I really like the music. It's simple, it's charming, it's very like, pirate-like. Um, there's a lot of like strings and just kind of like strums of violins and cellos and basses and things like that. Uh, and I like the synergy that goes on. Like as a scene starts or as you go into a new scene, like the music is coming right at you with what you're looking at right away. But then as you're progressing and as it's, you know, slowly winding down and the screen is closing, like the music kind of wraps up in a nice, neat way. But there's also a strange like tongue in cheek nature, depending if something just happened, like if you're moving the cursor in the logbook. Or right after you get three correct things, like the game telling you and putting the words on the screen, like you got three correct, like here's blah, 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 blah. And the music kind of gets put with the words as the words are coming. So it's kind of like a nice tongue in cheek, almost like a modern day commercial a little bit in terms of voices, really like the voice acting. I think it's really genuine and really good. A lot of accents and what's really interesting is that you have on the crew log like where people are from and so the accents are actually really helpful for identifying again going along with like what people are wearing how they're speaking all that is very good for sleuthing and i really like how audio and visual they work separately but they're complementary so if you think about like when you open the pocket watch and you hit it and a scene starts like everything is all audio. You're just seeing the words on the screen. You're not seeing anyone. So you're not exactly sure who is saying what as soon as you look into the scene and go into the scene. So you have to use like position like, and it's funny because I was sitting and playing this game. My wife was watching me and I'm like, that guy called him John or he called him this, but like, who's talking? Is he talking and who is he talking to? Is he talking to the guy that's hurt? Is he talking to the guy behind him? And so it's just all part of this mix of like being a detective and, and deductive reasoning. And I just like how even though audio and visual are actually so far apart, uh, you're like taking pieces from both and putting them together. I really dig that. In terms of the setting and the story, uh, I've already talked about how you're on a ship. Uh, you're in the 1800s, the early 1800s. And the idea is that this ship has been missing and the crew, once you get there, is deserted. And so it's like this strange mystery. And it's funny because you're actually like an insurance adjuster. So you're just boarding the ship to like see what happened so that you can, you know, pay insurance uh, to the company. But in terms of things that are there, so people have guns, swords, there are cannons on the ship, um, there's cargo, a real diverse crew. I talked about different accents, people coming from all different places, you know, at one point I'm wondering like, are these people just passengers Are they transporting them to this country or so it's really interesting sort of how all that unfolds. And you see that, like I said, it is a murder mystery. So there's mystery, there's intrigue, uh, there's betrayal. As you start to unpeel what some of the story is or some of the things that are happening, it's really, I like, I had a couple moments where I was like, wow. Oh, that guy did that. Like, Oh wow. He tried to cover this up. So betrayal and greed and things like that really come up, but nothing is said. It's all from what you're seeing and what you're piecing together. When I think about how you kind of figure out what's going on, I'm thinking about almost old Charlie Chaplin stuff. Like a lot of what is actually being told in the story is from your inference. Like you're taking a very small amount of information and really painting a picture yourself, so even if you think about like an old silent film where like something is happening, they're interacting, and then you see words on the screen, which is the dialogue, like it's just like that, except there there's not like a scene where they're moving, it's just a still, it's just one moment in time, and that can be oddly chilling at times, like you're witnessing someone's death in each of these scenes and you're like, what can I deduce from this? But you've never seen these people move. You don't even know exactly who's talking. It's just really interesting how you're able to deduce this with such minimal kinetic movement. let's wrap up the conversation about return of the Obra Dinn. This is a very unique and charming experience. I must say it's not skill-based. You can take your time. It's a murder mystery. You're deducing things. I did kind of play this with my wife. I mean, she joined a little bit late, But it was really cool to actually have someone helping you and be like, no, that's that guy. Or like, you know, just to bounce questions off of. Um, So playing this game with a friend is something that I do recommend. It's really cool. Love the atmosphere. Love the aesthetic. Uh, If you're somebody that likes Pirates of the Caribbean or that era of movies or not that there's really pirates here per se. But if you're somebody that digs that, like you'll really be into this, I, I think, in this time frame on the high seas, if you will. The visuals are so unique. Again, it seems reductive, but I really think it adds to the charm and the ability to isolate things and deduce things. I think if there were more colors, if there were more objects, I honestly think it would be a little more distracting. So I think that the fact that everything is very reduced, it kind of simplifies things and makes it more accessible. I think 1999 for the MSRP, that's a solid value for this experience in the story. If it is ever on sale, I think it's a no-brainer. I really like this game. I'm looking forward to getting through it at my own pace and finishing it at my own pace. If you're someone who's looking for a game that's relaxing, a charming experience, simple gameplay, it has a really nice story and story investment, I think this is a really good game, and I highly recommend it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.